Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. It is, it is one of the most important Sundays of the year for our church. My wife and I is probably close to our favorite, if not the favorite Sunday of the year because it's Mission Sunday. This is where we make our pledge today to give what God is going to do in our next year. He declares the end from the beginning. It's where God speaks to us about what we're to give to missions. And uh, we, I know I speak on behalf of Brother Noe and Sister Don, you hear from them tonight. But uh, all the way from Guatemala, I know they're grateful for the giving of this church, that they can be full-time missionaries. We sponsor them full-time out of here, that they can be missionaries in Guatemala. Don't we love Brother and Sister Barrientos? Amen. Pastor, they ever see 16 churches. 16 churches they've started in Guatemala. I think we ought to praise God for that. Amen. Praise God. Have a Bible college there now. The Lord, the Lord is good. That's tonight, tonight at 6 o'clock. You do not want to miss tonight. I'm asking every member, if you're online watching, be here tonight at 6 o'clock. It's going to be a powerful move of God. We have a great preacher with us who's going to be preaching to us today. We already had a powerful service at our 9 a.m. service. Such a move of God that was so powerful, unforgettable, a shifting moment, I believe, in our church. And we're so glad to have Pastor Matthew and Sister Michelle Tuttle with us today. We love them. He preaches, he preaches all, all over the world. He was a missionary. They, they, I was privileged to be with him a couple of times, and they were so kind to me, letting me come to Holland and treating me so well. And uh, when, they were, when they were there five years, he grew up in the missions field. She grew up in the ministry her whole life. Tonight, she's going to be doing a monologue. You've never seen anybody do a, a monologue better than Sister Michelle Tuttle. It is a gift. And it's going to be so impacting. If you've made plans tonight to do something else, change it and be here. You don't want to miss tonight. There is a God hand on this day and on this service. They have four amazing children. McKenna, Savannah, Lewis, and Eden. And uh, I, I want to say something to you. When, when you all had Vera, she didn't make it. Um, I knew how hard that was on both of them. And at the same time, we had a baby in the NIC unit that looked like she wasn't going to make it. But you didn't let that stop you from coming to my baby's bedside and calling on the name of Jesus. He brought her a little lamb. And the lamb was longer than she was. Do you remember that? you remember that? And even though you were going through a storm, both of you prayed Cindy and I out of one. And she's playing the keyboard today. And I want to thank you for being who you are to me. And uh, let, me, let me say this to the congregation. And uh, uh, I'm blessed to have a lot of acquaintances and friends. But Matt, Matthew Tuttle has been a dear friend, dear friend to me. And when you read 1 Kings 4... When it lists Solomon and all of his wisdom and his kingdom structure of leadership, all of it, the Bible says, and this was Solomon's friend. One of the greatest gifts you'll have in life is a friend. That sticks close. The tough times, good times. The Bible says a friend loveth at all times. And today, thanks for being a friend. 
He's a man of God. He's unwavering in the apostolic message. Pastor is an amazing church, and God has given him a word for us today. And aren't we thankful to have this powerful preacher with us? Praise God. Come on, preach to us. Amen. Aren't we glad to have Brother Tuttle with us today? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Bounds. And uh, what a privilege it is to be back in Zanesville. Y'all are so incredibly blessed and uh, great leadership. Mine, and you're just blessed with each other. Look at yourselves. You look good today. Amen. High five three people better looking than yourself and say you're looking good. Some of y'all ain't high-fiving anybody. I'm going to change my sermon to pride. We're going to preach on pride. Arrogance. One thing's for sure, I look better than all these boys here. They should all high-five to me. Amen. But <laughs> And you're so blessed to have such a great, great leader. I would say if you want to find out who your true friends are, go to the mission field for five years. And uh, you'll figure out just real quick who all's there for you and who isn't. And there'll be a few that send you some money, but there'll be very, very few that uh, will take their time, leave their family, and come over multiple times just to hang out and be your friend. And uh, as Brother Bounds so beautifully said, uh, friends are very, very uh, important. I cherish our friendship. Not only Brother Bounds, but the Bounds family. Great memories. I went by the tumbleweed on the way to the restaurant. Uh, I mean, the hotel last night, that was our first restaurant that we ate at together after I'd preached the first time here, and we were young and both had hair, and those were the days, but those were the days. Another great friend, Brother Charlie friend, is here today, and Christy is another one of my absolute greatest friends. I tell you, I've got some great friends in Ohio. I'm like Brother Bounds. I don't have uh, a lot of best friends, but in this room tonight, I'm, this morning, I'm so thankful that two of my greatest friends are here, and, uh, and you're here today, but most importantly, God is in the room, and I'm honored to be here. Thank you, Michelle. I'm so privileged to have Michelle with me. Look forward to what God's going to do tonight as we commit to the, the cause and purpose of the church, which is the whole gospel of the whole world, and I love missions. Amen? I was, as it was said, I was raised on the mission field. I know I'm taking time to pay all my bills this morning, but you got to pay your bills. And uh, uh, I was raised on the mission field, and uh, I'm actually a Dutch citizen. We moved there when I was 17 months old, so I speak Dutch fluently. Y'all, it's missions weekend. Y'all want to learn a little, little Dutch? All right, y'all. All right. Uh, say, mijn voorgangers vrouw is mooi. Mijn voorgangers vrouw is mooi. Let's try it again. Mijn voorgangers vrouw is mooi. My pastor's wife is beautiful. That's what you just said. You're welcome, Sister Bounds. <laughs> Y'all thought it was something spiritual. It was pretty spiritual. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Brother Bounds, he almost started running the aisles right there. Amen. He better run the aisle. He better, amen. That <laughs> Psalms chapter 30, verse 10, 12 uh, through verse 12. Three verses we will read this morning in your hearing. And what a great family. I love the family of God. And you know, when you walk into the Anchor Church, 
you just feel like you're part it is raining from the ceiling i love it hey, uh, i know y'all are used to it uh you just feel like you're part of a family isn't that cool you just come in and like 77 people wanted to hug me and i was like this is incredible i love it and if i lived anywhere close to the anchor church this is where i'd want to go to church and uh, brother bounds is who i'd want to have pastor and leading my family what a great great blessing you are and your leadership this music it sounds like i'm in a concert out there isn't that incredible it's so good i got distracted i was like hold on i can't be listening i got to be worshiping amen but how blessed you are you are blessed amen psalms chapter 30 verse 10 if you're there would you say amen if you're going to look at the screen say thank you screens people hero israel i'm sorry oh lord and have mercy upon me Thou, my helper, thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girdeth me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. For a few moments, I would like to title this message, I will not be silent. I will not be be silent father I thank you for your word it's timeless and unchanging as once again we turn to its timeless pages to extract what you would speak to your people today our hearts are open our ears ready to receive what thus saith the Lord I pray father that your word would be the surgeon's scalpel it operates finally where needed it would be oil father that brings comfort to the wounded I pray father that it would bring joy for those that need strength and comfort lord to those that mourn that it would challenge convict but most importantly let us be changed by the power of your word when we leave this house our head will be held high our hands lifted and we will give you praise for it anoint me now god to preach your word that i may be changed by it in the wonderful name of jesus we pray and as one we say in jesus name come on say it like you know who he is say in jesus name Let's put our hands together as we honor his holy word. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. In the beginning, God created Genesis 1 and 1, familiar passage, the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And so we see and we know the word void here is, has the meaning of, of chaos. And so the initial uh, condition of the world, no doubt uh, the enemy is in some way involved because in God there is no chaos. Scripture says he's a God of order. He's a God of decency. And so if there's chaos in your life, that means there has to be some kind of satanic or fleshly thing that's operating in your life. So the enemy is in operation in the world and, and there's chaos and, and uh, going on in in the world and the bible says that god's solution to darkness and chaos was first to move and the spirit this is the first thing you know about god he moves and the spirit of the lord moved upon the face of the waters i said the first thing i know about god his solution to chaos is not to sit still I said, God's solution to chaos is not to sit back with your arms folded across your chest. 
Let me just say this. If God had to move to make something happen, you're not going to have anything change sitting still. You're going to have to get up and move. You're going to have to have motion in your life. I said it this morning. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I shall run and not be weary. I'm in constant motion to renew strength. And so in order to have a move of God, the voice of God, I must have movement in my life. And so God begins to move. Amen. A matter of fact, before he spoke, everybody comes to church and wants a word from God, but the truth is he doesn't speak until there's a move. I believe that truth is there's some words that can't be received until you're willing to move some things out of your life. I don't, I, you come on, if you're coming to church like, I just ain't getting nothing out of the word, maybe there's some stuff in your life you need to move, unplug, get rid of, disconnect, burn, throw in the trash. And if you'll make a move, you'll receive a word. I said, if you'll make the move... I said, you'll get the word. I'm thankful for a move of God, and I'm thankful. And so after God has moved, the Bible says in verse 3, and God said, God, first thing we know is he's a God of motion. And the next thing he does is speak, and God said, let there be light. And when he began to speak, everything changed in the world. I'm going to tell you the power of God's word after you begin to move and you allow the moving of God's spirit. I never want to go to church and not have a move of God. I say it again, I won't come to church and just hear songs. I want to have a move of God. And it, whatever needs you have today, it can be solved with God's word. Once his spirit has moved across the chaos of my life and decency and order has been established now, I'm ready to hear the word of God. And I believe that God has a word today. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to have to speak. If God had to speak, you're, gonna, you're not better than God. People that don't move and are silent think they're better than God. Because if God has to move and God has to make noise, I understand I'm going to have to move and I'm going to have to make noise. Amen. And then he makes man in his image, giving him the power. 19 of 2 of Genesis and out of the ground God forms every beast of the field and the fowl of the air and he brings them unto Adam to see what he would call them and whatever Adam called every living creature that was the name thereof whatever Adam it was brought to Adam to see what you gonna say about this situation and whatever he said it would be is what it was I believe God allows situations to happen in our life just to see what we'll say well we're never gonna make it I'm never going to be successful. I'm never going to be able to make money. And whatever you say is exactly what you live in. Whatever you declare is what it is. But Adam brought, as God brought it, he said, this is a lion. This is, and he began to speak over it. And here we are 6,000 years later, and we are still calling them what Adam called them. That's the power of a man's voice. I'll say it again, men, you are the priest of your home. The responsibility of a priest is to be a preacher. That means at your home, your voice matters. You've got to learn to speak at your home. You've got to learn to have devotion at your home. And you declare at your home. And what you declare at home, that's what it's going to be. We're going to stay together. Our kids are going to live for God. We're going to have holiness in this home. We're going to have righteousness. Well, I don't see it yet. Go ahead and start speaking it, Adam, because what you speak is what happens. As a matter of fact, the entire reason we have the world filled with sin today is because of a silent man. We have a man that stood next to his wife and allowed her to be entertained and watch things she should have never watched with. The first sin was not that she ate it. It was that she was looking at things in the house they shouldn't have been watching. 
and because she was entertaining, come on, being entertained by satanic things, uh, amen, she takes the fruit, and because of the fruit that's eaten in disobedience to God and his word, uh, sin enters into the world, shame comes into the earth, uh, and they hide themselves, and you know God. He comes, and he walks uh, looking for man, where art thou? Uh, and he finds him, and then he begins to curse man, uh, and he curses man. Uh, he says, by the sweat of your brow, he curses the earth, uh, he curses the serpent, he curses the woman in pain, uh, and in the middle of all this cursing, uh, you would think that Adam uh, would be on his knees wailing and crying, oh God, what have I done? He's standing there, uh, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the cursing, uh, Adam realizes what he did wrong. He said, I named the fish, and I named the lion, and I named the, the apple tree, and I named the lemon trees, and I named all these things, but the one thing I forgot to speak life over was my wife. Uh, and so in the middle of the cursing, look what Adam does. He opens his mouth, and he interrupts God. How many more curses were to come? I don't know. But thank God, Adam finally had the courage to speak up in the cursing. And he looked at his wife and says, Eve, you're a giver of life. And when Adam began to speak blessing over his wife, God stopped cursing man. Let me just come on. Let me speak to an Adam. Let me speak to a father this morning to tell you that the time has come. If your family is under continual curse, you need to lift up your voice and say, I bind it in the name of Jesus. We're going to we're going to be a family of life. We're going to be a home that has life giving. Baby, our marriage isn't going to break up. Our kids aren't going to backslide. We're going to serve God. And as Adam speaks life into Eve, the next time you hear Eve's name mentioned, she's giving birth. She's no longer looking at bad things. She's not eating bad things. She's doing what man said she would do because the power of life and death is in your tongue. I know you've heard it and you believe it. Amen. But yet we see a silent church watching casually as the enemy and darkness perpetrates itself greater than any generation heretofore. And the question is, what do we do in this dark world? What does the church do in this dark world? Well, preacher, I don't believe all this shouting stuff. I don't believe all this you know, noise and hallelujah and all that. It's all, I don't think sound matters. Really? Ask the walls of Jericho about sound. See, see what the walls of Jericho have to say about people that are silent. Hell and walls of Jericho are hoping you don't speak up. Ask Gideon, 32,000 to 10,000. God says, have them drink. And which one's got to be a part of the army that would then give them victory over the Midianites? Who is it? It's the men that lapped with, what did they do? Come on, talk to me. With their what? Speaking in tongues matters. Your mouth matters. Your tongue matters. What you say matters. It matters. And how did they fight the people, the army of God's people, when they went with Gideon? They fought. They just had a pitcher that was covered. They had a torch. And, and, and they went 300 suckers, 300 dudes going to like locusts. They're going to attack the enemy. And there's hundreds of thousands of them. And they go and they surround them. What's the solution to the enemy that was bigger than them? What was God's solution to to the adversary that was greater than them. He said, you get in, you go, and you surround them. And, and now look, I'm not much of a hunter. I know to be in this church, you have to be a hunter. And there's a doctrine I think they're teaching in Zanesville that you have to be a hunter to go to heaven. But that actually is the only false doctrine being preached here. Because <laughs> unlike, that's one thing we're not, we don't have in common at all. I don't hunt. 
just, it doesn't make sense to me. I might hunt if we could hunt in July. Like, do the deer die in August? That's the thing. You know, like, why are we, why do we have to go out when it's negative 1,000 degrees? That's an issue I have. It's already too cold. Now, I, but I, I think I did figure it out because I went with my brother, my brother-in-law's, man, they are, they're big hunters. I'm in Vider, Texas. They're all hunters. So, you know, I have to go hunting so that they think I'm a man and know I'm a man down there, you know. So I moved to Vider, Texas. and I'm like, all right, I don't have to go hunting to be part of the family and to be the pastor of this church. So I went out and I figured out why we hunt in the winter. Because my brother-in-law, he sent me a, he sent me a, a purchase list, what I needed to buy to go hunting. First thing you're going to need, Matt, is uh, thermal underwear, six pairs. Then you're going to need a thermal coat and thermal pants. Then you're going to need uh, gloves, and you're going to need those heating things you put in your gloves. Then you need a little buddy propane heater for inside the deer. I'm like, good night. I know what it is. The thermal underwear people are in with the deer hunting people, and they've made hunting in the winter so they can sell these stupid, uncomfortable, itchy underwear. It's a con. It's a con. It's a total. It is. They're all in it together. That's what it is. Because really, for real, if it was in August, we could sit out there in a t-shirt. It's a total. So I'm up there and I'm complaining the whole time. Good night. I just spent $100 in underwear. I'm just frustrated. Then I get hunting, you know. And uh, man, one thing I love to do when I'm with my friends is talk. I don't get to be a lot around each other very much. And, you know, I want to I share about the good things of God. And we're up there in the deer stand. I'm like, so, guys, like, shh, shh. No wonder you never kill any deer. I'm like, well, guys, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. I, man, I wish the deer could, you know, can't we kill a deer at 3 in the afternoon? I guess, you know, I don't, again, I don't, magical deer. They just get raptured in the summer and in the afternoon. You know, just, just raptured deer. Okay, well, I can't talk, so, you know, I'm a genius. I brought a Coke, I brought a Coke and some Doritos because there's nothing better when you're bored than Doritos and a Coke. So I'm, I'm getting it all out. No, that can't be open in the Coke can. I'm not even kidding. I'm like, all right, that's right. So then I opened my Dorito bag. Oh, you thought they'd had a heart attack. I've never even seen a deer out there. I just sit there. They're like, Matt, there's a deer. I'm like, where? They're like, over there. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Pull the trigger now, Matt. And I shot a deer. My brother-in-law was holding the gun. <laughs> Gideon's going out to battle. And I'm sure all those professional hunters are, and Gideon says, all right, guys, here's the strategy. <laughs> I'm going to shout one, two, three, and y'all are all going to shout really, really loud. You're going to break the picture, and you're going to shine the light. And I can see the hunters saying, no, 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 that's a bad, that's a Tuttle strategy. And we're professional hunters. You don't need to be doing that. We need to be really quiet and really, re I, called, I called Charlie yesterday. He answers the phone like, hello. And I'm like, bro, is the baby asleep? No. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, it sounds awful. It sounds horrible. I need to be loud. I need to talk about God, amen, and about my life and things that are wonderful. Not be quiet all the time. Be, and, and, and so they're like, no, Gideon. No, there's only 300 of us. There's 150,000 of them. The best strategy would be for us just to sit on our pew and let them realize that 
that there's hundreds of millions of devils and there's all these movements and, and satanic oppression against us and, and wickedness and darkness and the best thing we could do is just try to see if we can slip into heaven and just get our little family. But, but, but Gideon said, no, 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 no. He said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand up and we're going to let the devil know we're alive. I'm alive. I'm going to be, it, I know it goes against everything you could ever think, but what some of you need to do is stop hiding from the enemy. Stand up and lift your hands and say, hey, Baba, I'm still alive. I refuse to be silent. I refuse to be I'm not going to be quiet. Uh, you're not going to cancel me. You're not going to silence me. Uh, I'm going to shout for the victory. Uh, oh, clap in your hands. All ye people, shout unto the Lord. And when the day appears, well, here, first thing we know about God, he moves and makes noise. First thing we know about the day of Pentecost is they were together and suddenly there came a... Somebody said, Pastor, it was full of wind. It wasn't full of wind. It was full of sound of wind. I said it was a loud place. The Holy Ghost, the apostolic movement didn't start in a little silent counting beads and crossing ourselves. I said it didn't start with all looking at each other and listening to a praise team entertain us. It was in a building, in a room, where there was supplication, prayer, and there was noise from it. If you'll start making noise on earth, heaven will start making noise in heaven. If you'll start lifting your voice, oh, come on, somebody. The time has come for us to lift our voices. So when we understand where our power is, that our power is in our mouth. Just ask Adam, ask Gideon, ask Jericho, ask God. The power is in our tongue. And since we know that we have power when we speak, we can understand the enemy's strategy against the church. The enemy is wise. He says, I, I don't have to get him out there shooting Nick it, uh, heroin into their eyeballs. I, they don't have to tattoo 666 on their forehead. Now, I, I don't have to get them up. On, all I got to do is get the church to be silent. I said, he said, I'll just shut them up. I mean, that's how it starts. He, he, uh, look, look at Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. And, and this is a uh, passage about Satan being kicked out of heaven. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning... How art thou cut down from the earth which just weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. What you have to realize, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, when we gather together in this building, we're not having a seance, a spiritual ritual. We're not in the building with people who have similar political uh, ideologies or even theological ideas. Or oh, we're, we're, This is more than us all just liking the same kind of music. This is war. What we're doing here this morning is more than you just coming to put your spiritual band-aid over your sin cancer. This is war. All of hell and every prince, principality, and ruler of this region's eyes are focused on this building right now. There is a battle. There is a, I don't know, you, you don't have to be super spiritual. I mean, my barber's got it figured out uh, that, that we're in a spiritual war. I mean, I'm sitting talking to people in the world. They're like, preacher, there's something going on. What's happening in the world? It's dark. Uh, there's crazy things. I mean, come on, guys. We got dudes don't even know they're dudes. Chicks being thinking they're dudes. and uh, It's a messed up world. 
is more dark than it's ever been. It's more wicked, perhaps, than it's ever been in the history of the world. And Satan says, okay, I've got the church, and we are the solution to the darkness. And here we do, but shh. He said, I will ascend. And so what happens is uh, every Sunday, Wednesday, uh, and every time the doors are open and the man of God rises behind the pulpit, uh, amen, he begins to preach. uh, And there is war going on. uh, And Satan said in verse 13, uh, he said, I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars. He says, what's happening here is a battle of thrones. There's the throne of God. Come on. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What are we trying to do? We're trying to establish God's kingdom in this earth. Uh, What's hell trying to do? Establish his throne in this earth. The battle is thrones. God's throne, hell's throne. And and he said, I'm going to establish my throne over the stars of the heaven. And so who who is the who are the stars? You've got to go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars. Revelation 1 and 20. I'll, I'll wait on you. Amen. Here's the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Uh, Let me tell you who the stars are. The stars, uh, this is right here. It's the angel of the church. Now the word angel means messenger. And so every church uh, that is ordained of God has an angel that's established over that church. Y'all want to see angels? Every time he gets up there, that's the angel of God. Uh, You can go to your job tomorrow and say, man, we had an angel at church. We had an angel. Who was my angel? That right there. This here, right here, is your angel. He's the star of God in in this city. And what does hell do? As the man of God, he stands up here to preach. Come on, somebody. The seven stars, you can keep reading, are the angels of the seven churches. And so it is that he says, I'm going to establish my kingdom. I'm going to establish my throne over the pulpit. Every time the man of God gets up here, it's not lecturing you. It's not giving you three points and a conclusion. There is a battle of thrones. Come on, preacher, I'm right. Every time I get up here, I can feel it right now. There's war. You feel it. There's demons that I'm fighting against. I'm pushing right now the throne of God. And the star of heaven is trying to fight against the throne. Because he knows, hell knows, that to take the world, to take our nation, he doesn't have to take our politics. He doesn't have to take Hollywood. To take the nation, you take the pulpit. Take the pulpit. Hell knows if I own the pulpit, I own the people. If I own the platform, I own the people. So I'm going to get them to compromise. I'm going to get preachers more focused on making money than standing for righteousness. I'm going to get people that come on somebody that are too shy to stand up and preach the truth and righteousness, godliness. Preach it. Oh, that's why your preacher, when he gets up here, baby, he's not just giving his ideas. He's waging war against the atmosphere. There's a battle going on, the anchor. Come on, anchor, there's a fight. Uh, and pre that's why every time he gets up, there's uh, nights he doesn't sleep, tormented by the word. And the minute she's done, the minute, let me tell you a little secret about your pastor, about every preacher. After they preach, there's two or three devils that wait right here. Am I right, Brother Mounts? You step off this pulpit platform and they start saying, that's the worst you've ever done. 
they're never coming back. You, you, that point she was way too hard. Did you see the way she looked at you? You should be nicer to them. Oh my goodness, who do you think you are? Talk, am I right? Yeah, true. Every time. Every time. Every time. Every time the man of God, come on, comes off this platform, there's demons that are telling him it was horrible. You did an awful job. That was a disaster. That's why when your pastor's done preaching, it's not the time to come with the baby problems. I had, ooh, I'm off the, ooh, I just hit something. I I got done preaching in Holland. I just started pastoring, and a man came up to me, and he said, oh, brother, and and there they were, the demons telling me. It was horrible, and they're never coming back. Who do you think you are? You're worthless. You didn't study enough. You didn't pray enough. You're not spiritual enough. That's the kind of stuff they tell you. Am I right? And and, and this man comes up to me and says, you know, I would want to give you a compliment, but I don't want your head to get too big. I looked at him and said, I said, Your job is not to keep me humble. There's nowhere in the scripture that says that you are to be the humbler of the brethren. No, you you are not to forsake the assembling of yourself together. How many of you believe that? However, the Bible goes on. We we preach that, forsake not the assembling, off my notes. Uh, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. But it also tells you what you're to do when you get here. Do you know the rest of the verse? Exhort one another. He said, it's not enough just to come see. There's a lot of people that, well, I didn't forsake the assembly. Came in, sat on the back row, checked the, and Mark walked out of the house. But that wasn't it. He said, when you come to church, you're, you're also to exhort. You know what exhort means? Encourage. That means that you did not come to church unless you encouraged somebody. And the person that you, now, I'm not, your pastor wants to know all the problems. This man, I've never met a man that loves people more than your pastor. I mean, I love people, but compared to him, I basically hate people. This is like what Jesus' personality type was. And, my, and I'm not just saying that. I really, it's the truth. Am I right, Charlie? We've said it in private. This dude is like Jesus, as close to Jesus as you can get. But I, I'm going to say this. When he's done preaching, it's not the time to come with your complaints. Because hell, you, a matter of fact, there should be, there's a, there's an, a call of God coming to some men. Uh, every time he steps on this, off this platform, uh, you look at him and say, that's the best message you've ever preached. Uh, that was for me. Uh, that's the best you've ever done. Uh, man, you preached to me. That's right. Keep fighting back the throne of hell, pastor. I got your back. I got your back. We're not going to let them have our pulpit. We're not going to let the compromisers have our pulpit. We're not You've got to support the pulpit. He couldn't get equal to God, so he says, I'll take the pulpit, I'll take the man of God. And sadly enough, I'm going to say the problems in America are not linked to our politicians, they're linked to silent pulpits. We got saint people that want to come and just be coddled. Give me, give me cotton candy, a good feeling, and let me go home. 20 minutes of power, and I'm going to be out in an hour. That's the mentality of this generation. That's why we've got transvestites running our country. That's why homosexuality is prevalent. That's why darkness is raging and rampant. Because, man of God, you've got to stand up, and you've got to declare the truth. In an hour of darkness, in an hour of darkness. And Nehemiah. Nehemiah's trying to build a wall. Let me tell you, you can't have a watchman without a wall. Everybody wants your pastor to see what's coming. The only way your pastor has vision for what's beyond is if he can stand on a wall. The only way he can have a wall is if you let him build one. I said, if you help him build one, 
when he gets up and preaches holiness and righteous living, you ought to say build the wall and build it a little higher because the higher the wall, the further you can see and the safer I'll become. And the enemy's coming against the wall builder, the leader of the wall. And the preacher gets up and states in verse uh, chapter 513, and I'm going quick. Uh, also, I still shook my lap and said, go shake. He's preaching out of every man from this house uh, and from his labor that performeth not this promise. Uh, even thus he shall be shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation, put it up there, 5 and 13 of Nehemiah, and all the congregation, find it, and all the congregation said, they didn't sit there and listen. When he declared that we're in a battle and this is what we're going to do, they said, they said, this is a war and there are no spectators. You are either with us or against us. And let me tell you something. Silence is not an option. I'm off my notes, but I feel the Holy Ghost. You're either saying amen or you are silent. And silent is not neutral. Silent is against. You can't, come on, you can't, you can't, you cannot be silent. You've got to refuse it. You've got to say, I'm going to preach with the preacher. I'm going to amen things that my flesh doesn't want me to amen. I'm going to get in this thing and I'm going to get behind the throne. We're going to establish the throne of God in Zanesville, Ohio. Be quiet. And so Herod, Herod says, I'll shut, I'll shut him up. I'll take the head of the preacher. Lock him up in the prison cell, Paul and Silas. Hit me with the rocks, Stephen said, but you're not going to shut me up. Throw rocks at me, but I will not be silent. I will not be silent. Abel was such a worshiper that even after he was dead, his blood could... I hope I make so much noise that after I'm dead, it's got up into my blood and my boy can't be quiet. I said, I hope I'm so loud that my blood, the DNA, that you stop by my grave, you hear something making noise. My God, that man was a worshiper. That, I refuse to be silent. In a dark world, I refuse to be silent. So the battle is... Silence the pulpit and take our nation. Silence the pulpit. But, but if he cannot, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to tell you that the prince uh, and the rulers of this area are not going to silence the man of God in Zanesville. This is an unfettered, uncompromised pulpit. This is a pulpit where right is right and wrong is wrong. Where light is light and dark is dark. Uh, where man is man and woman is woman. Uh, where holy is holy and unholy is unholy. Oh, I wish I had somebody. You just sitting there. Come on, somebody. You need, you, I must be looking good. You just looking at me. This ain't a time to be looking. This is a time to be amen. I, I just said, I said, I'm thankful I got a man that calls wrong, wrong and right, right. I said, I'm thankful I've got a man that'll get up and preach holiness. And without it, no man shall see the Lord. And so the enemy. The enemy knows if I can't get the pulpit, Isaiah chapter 14, 14 and 13, he says, I'm going to establish my throne over the stars. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the... He said, if I can't have the pulpit, I'm going to take the crowd. 
The way you know the pulpit has been compromised to the enemy is it's silent. The way you know the crowd has been compromised is it's silent. I'll say it again. It matters. It does matter. It does matter. If sound didn't matter, why are they marching, screaming in our streets? I said, if what we scream and shout doesn't matter, why does hell have a marching in our streets and burning down our country? I said, if it doesn't matter, then why on earth are they screaming in our courtrooms? And why are they screaming to kill our infants before they're even born? I said, if silence is not a, come on somebody, and yet here we are going to sit by passive and let them take our nation, take our, come on, take our faith and take our country. I say no, in the name of Jesus, no. It matters whether or not you say amen when truth is declared. The way we behave in this building matters. I was talking to one of my men. He went to a men's conference. They had a real smart preacher there. Super smart. Like, whoo. And uh, I'm thankful that they make Bibles with pictures. This dude, he was like reading in the Greek and the Hebrew. And he had come up with the total number of devils or angels that there were in heaven. This is incredible, isn't it? Something about, they were trying to explain it. I said, just, just be quiet. I ain't going to get it. <laughs> just tell me how many did worry. He said there were 300 million, according to him, 300 million angels. A third of them were kicked out to become demons. So he concluded that there were 100 million devils. Now, I, I don't know exactly how I came to that conclusion, if it's right or wrong. But my little simple brain went to, okay, 100 million devils. How are we going to kill them all? I'm just a simple thinker, you know. I thought, well, if one can put 1,000 and two can put 10,000, that would mean three can put 100,000, four can put a million. That means with six people, I've got 100 million. So all, to get every demon in hell, all I need are six people to agree with me. Y'all are blessed to have some high-dollar, high super spiritual, fancy preachers, and they can come in and be like, spirit of gluttony. I ain't that good. Here's my motto. Carpet bomb and kill them all. I didn't come just to kick one little demon out of Zanesville. I came to get them all. I said this morning, instead of just getting one, why don't we get everything to junk? Behold, old things are passed away. All, all, all. You get to get it all. All of them. Let's help. Come on. How many of you want to put all the hell on the run? How many of you want hell to shake like it's made your family shake? Then guess what? You just need five people. Now, the other thing I have observed, I was at, just after that great revelation that came to me, I went to a funeral. I was preaching a funeral. I'm looking at the casket. You know how many handles are on the side of a casket? Six. The same six people that could put all of hell on the run are required to carry one dead person. I'm saying for every deadhead in our church, it sucks up six people. Satan's wise. 
He can have 30 people shouting, hooping, and hollering, and all he needs is five or six that will not participate. All he needs is about six or seven to be apathetic. What, come on, somebody. Because what you don't realize is your lack of participation, your lack of amen, it's sucking life out of the building. Oh, I said it's sucking life out of the building. But what would happen if on just a true point, you, every one of us, let's try it. On the count of three, every one of us, I want you to begin to shout and give God praise. One, two, three. Give him praise. Come on, do you feel faith? Do you feel faith? Faith rising in the building? Yeah. There's nothing new happening. There's just a bunch of agreement. There's a bunch of agreement. I'm going to get together and we're going to kick all of the enemy. Somebody ought to shout. Hallelujah. To the spirit of confusion that's wrecking the minds of our teenagers, we will not be silent. To the spirit of death that's trying to captive and grab a hold of this generation, we will not be silent. To the spirit of anxiety, we will not be silent. To the spirit of compromise, we will not be silent. To the spirit of sexual perversion, we will not be silent. We will not be silent. It is three times. I'm not going to preach much, preach much longer in a moment. We're going to declare war on every demon in this city with our mouth. Before we leave this morning, we are going to lift our voice and declare war on the enemy against everything that's come against this church. And there's going to be victory today. Three times. Satan attempts Jesus in the wilderness. Amen. I'm not going to go much longer. You know the, the first one is uh, the stone. He says, turn it into bread. And then Jesus says, it is written. Then he says, worship me. And Jesus says, it is written. Then he says, cast yourself down. He says, it is written. Three, three times that he's tempted. However, before this, in the same setting, there's actually a fourth temptation. Amen. Jesus comes off out of this time of fasting. He comes out of it into the church house. Good place to go, amen? He comes into church and he begins to preach the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he's anointed me. He said, I am Messiah. He began to declare his identity, amen. And all in Luke 4 and 28, and all that were in the synagogue, when they heard these things were filled with wrath. And they wanted to kill him. See, he came into a church that wanted to have church without God. I said, he came into a church that wanted to have church without God. So he goes to the next church. And in that church, that's where he encounters this fourth demon. It's a demon-possessed man. And there he is. And the demon speaks out. For the demon had come to church. And he says, let us alone. This is what the demon says. Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art. Thou art the Holy One of God. The demon said, I know who you are. I know what you're able to do. But I do not want you here. Leave me alone. He fought the temptation of his flesh. He thought, fought the temptation to, to worship. He fought the temptation to, to cast himself down. Now the enemy has come. The demon, the same demon is there. The same spirit of anti-God is in the church house. And it's looking at Jesus at the pulpit saying, let us be. We just want to have church 
We don't want you to change us. Leave me alone. Don't bother me. Don't make me uncomfortable. Don't make me feel convicted. Don't push me to be better than I am. Leave. This is the spirit of complacency. I said, this, and this is alive and well in the Western church. Man, I feel the whole, I feel, no, I don't feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the enemy right now. There's a war going on right now, but we're going to, we're, we're going to win this. I said, we're going to, we are going to win this battle this morning. I'm not afraid. I've come to declare war on the adversary. And, and he says, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. Just, 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 just be quiet. Calm it down. Be quiet. Hey, no, 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 no. You, you can't be quiet. You can't be quiet. And this is the only demon. To, to the first three, he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. But to this one, he says, I'm casting and I rebuke you out of it. Let me tell you one thing you can't do with the spirit of complacency. You can't negotiate with it. The spirit that just says, hey, just take it easy. You know, this, this is a, just take this service off. Just this, you know, it's a, it's, you're tired. You worked hard yesterday. This today, you don't have to pray. That's a spirit of complacency. The spirit that says, let's just take it easy. Come on, somebody. And it's alive and well in the churches like never before. Uh, come on, we used to come to church and sing congregationals. Now we come put a quarter in and let people entertain us. Come on, somebody. But we're all in this together. It's the pulpit working with the pew, uh, waging war upon the adversary in our, in our generation. Uh, and if we'll get in there, and what we've got to say uh, against this modern spirit, that's not modern, against this satanic spirit uh, that once again is attacking our church, uh, telling us to be quiet, uh, we have to rise up and be louder than we ever have. Uh, we have to pray longer than we've ever prayed. Uh, we have to fast harder than we've... Silence is a deadly thing. A serpent doesn't have a voice box. Preacher, I can't shout. Oh, you better be careful when you can't shout. I said serpents don't have voice boxes. They can't project sound. That's why old Judas, you find, where do you find Judas ever worshiping God? Oh, he, he could get loud. The time that he got loud was for the poor. He, he, would, he would get loud for social justice issues. Yes, he did. Oh, he was, oh, this money, we can take this money and do it for the poor. And what is, and what, you know what, I'm off my, it's okay. I don't care, I'm going home. This is right. This is right. I don't care. Our churches have become social justice warriors. Come on. Where our social media is filled with all we do, and I'm not saying we don't, shouldn't do, do, do good for the community. We do more. We did 1.2 million, I think, a couple years ago, just to the community. It's good. But, but, but you know one thing that I never understood? Why on earth do they have to take a video camera with them? You know, here, here we are out on the streets giving a donut to this homeless man. You know who I've never seen with the camera? The homeless man. How awkward that must be for him to be, come on, somebody. And, we, and it, they come to me all the time. Well, pastor, what does your church do for the community? Because that church over there, they've done this, and they're building this, and they do this, and that. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. Absolutely. Yes, we've got to care for the widow, the fathers, and the poor. Absolutely. But the primary mission of the church, the poor you will have with you 
always. Our primary mission is not, we cannot solve the social justice wrongs of our generation. I'm going to say it again, the anchor church. Uh, the church cannot solve the social. Our calling is not uh, to establish a kingdom here that's for eternity. What we've got is bread that's better than a donut. Baby, I can give you a chocolate glazed donut or I can give you eternal bread that'll get you out of the gutter. I might not can pay your rent, but I can get you to a mansion. Oh, I can get you to a mansion. The mission of the church. Oh, it's tight, but that's right. I said it's right. I said our mission is to reach our world, to lift our voices and not be silent. You can't negotiate with it. You can't negotiate with the spirit of compromise. You can't negotiate with the spirit that says all we're going to do is just make this world better, baby. Our, our mission is to get them out of this world. And he kicked him out. He kicked him out. As I conclude and we stand, I read some of your minds. And you're saying, oh, preacher. Huh? Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. That's why I've been sitting here with my arms folded across my chest staring at you all service. That's why I don't lift my hands in worship. That's why I'm not obedient when the praise leader says, let's worship God because the Bible says, Be still. Okay, I'll give you that one. It says, be still and that I am who's God. Wow, I thought it was in a one God, Jesus name, tongue-talking church. Who's God? Jesus. Who? Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is God. Now look back at your neighbor and say, now you know. No, no, look at your neighbor and say, now you know. Be still and know that I'm God. Once you know Jesus is God and you keep reading three verses, keep reading three verses. You know what? Three verses later after be still, I got your number right now. Be still and know that I'm God. You know what? Three verses later it says, you, I, you, see, that's the problem. You always stop reading. Uh, it says, oh, clap in your hands. Oh, ye in your hands oh ye people shout 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 cut up what we're doing here today and I feel led is we are not going for this is not this is more than personal what's happening right now we're fighting back against darkness in this generation right now what you're feeling is an oppression and a darkness and a spirit a satanic attack that's raging against this culture and against our generation but what we're going to do this morning is we're going to fight back no more capitulations no more compromise no more complacency no more sitting down and taking it silent no 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 today i challenge the church of the living god to rise up if you're come on if you're tired of watching hell take over i need you to stand up get to your feet and get to the front i said if you're tired of watching unrighteousness prevail in our streets get up and get to the front if you're ready to declare war upon the adversary get up and march to the front. Stand. We're not going to bow right now. We're going to stand. Stand.
if they're going to take our world, our right, they're going to take righteousness. It's not going to be without a fight. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered the violence, and the violent take it by fourth. You've been taught since you were a child to put on the armor of God. You know all the pieces. Why do you think God gave you armor? To be armor. See, the problem is we got a bunch of armor models. Oh, look at this. Look at my sword. Look at. Now, the reason you have a sword is to cut the heads of demons off. The reason you have a shield is because you're supposed to be in the battle waging war the question is what how pretty is your sword is there blood dripping off the end that's come on somebody the question isn't how polished is your shield it's how many arrows am i going to help you pull out this sunday so we can go back out and fight that's what this is about we're at war this is light versus darkness this is right versus wrong this is holy versus unholy godly versus ungodly good versus bad that's what we're in right now it's heaven versus hell and the church has got to get out of being entertained and become the hell become the warrior that god declared oh clap here's what we're going to do we're going to declare against the spirit and the prince of this area i believe there's enough force in this room to come against the spirit that's attacking our nation right now that same chaos that was at the beginning is back and it's bringing chaos from our schools to our marriages to our identities it's wrecking chaos all across our, our world specifically in this nation but I believe in this church right here just a few hundred people that we can lift our voices and we can declare against the enemy you will not have the you're not gonna have the pulpit and you don't get the pew we're gonna fight back and here's how we're gonna do it he said, clap in your hands, and he said, shout. But he didn't just say shout. He gave clear instruction as to how he wanted the shout to sound. There's all kinds of shout. In scripture, you can shout into battle. But in this shout, he said, I want you to shout with a voice of triumph. That means the sound of your shout should be one that is triumphant. It should be one of victory. Even though you perhaps don't have the victory, your sound will be one of triumph and victory. To make that sound, I believe it's a sound that comes from in you, out of you, through you into the atmosphere. Today, we're going to release that sound out of you. One voice that's going to wreck hell, and we're going to make way, and walls are going to fall. What I need you to do is connect with somebody for just a moment all across this building, and I need you to get with five other people. Five other people. There's going to be six of you. Please get with six. You can be with seven. You can be with eight, but let's be intentional. Be intentional. Preacher, what demon are we going to get today? All of them. What spirit are we coming against? We're coming against every spirit that's come against the church. Get with them right now. I'm almost done. Here's what's about to happen. On the count of three, as you know well, we're going to release a shout, so you're going to have that hand. You're going to take that hand, even while you're holding it, you can put it on your belly if you need to, because it's going to come out of your belly, and it's going to sound like victory. And as you begin to shout unto God, here's what you're going to shout. You're going to shout the name of Jesus. You're just going to shout Jesus. All of a sudden, the Jesus is going to turn into another tongue. 
This is not going to be a passive, silent, mamsy-pamsy tongue. You're going to speak in tongues out loud. You don't know the names of the demons that are in this city. But your tongue is about to pray and speak against satanic forces. It's going to name cures that doctors can't write prescriptions. And it's going to name, he's going to start speaking your tongue, your mouth. It's the only tongue he has in the earth. And it's been silent way too long. I said it's been silent way too long. God, Satan cannot read your mind. He can only hear what comes from your mouth. You're about to release it. Are you ready? On this count of three, we're going to pray. And then we're going to release a sound. Amen. In the name of Jesus, it's going to turn into tongues. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind the spirit of darkness that has prevailed over your people, your church for too long. That which rages against our nation, that rages against our pulpits, the, the spirit that would shackle holiness and righteous living, that which declares good to be evil and evil to be good, that which is perpetrated upon our college and career-aged children, ungodliness to the deepest and darkest places, that which is releasing darkness into our education system in, in this country, yea, even in this city, I speak to you in the name of Jesus and I declare war on the count of three the church is declaring war one two three Jesus don't stop darkness Darkness must give way to light. 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 Darkness must give way. I just can't stop praising His 
shout Jesus. Before I go, I just stepped off, but I feel if you're a father and you have your children or your wife, I want you to get with the family units. If you're single, get with someone single right now. We can't let sin prevail in our homes. We cannot let silence be in your home. I need you to make a commitment, Dad, as a father, as the priest, to lead your home. Your children must hear you pray. Now, let me say this. If you're not praying at home with your family right now, it's going to be a little awkward to get it going. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to prep you. If you're not used to it, if you, if you guys don't pray at home together, it's going to be awkward the first few times. Here's what I've learned. If you'll do the awkward spiritual things, they're way less awkward than the sin things. I said, if you don't do the awkward spiritual things, you're going to end up in the office with really, 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 really awkward sin things. So right now what I need you to do is commit to prayer at home, to be the priest of your home and the leader. And I know this is a God-driven family church. But I feel once again to empower the men because you're under attack like never before. The, come on, masculinity, male leadership is under attack in our generation. It's satanic. He knows if I silence Adam, then the next thing you know, I've got to have God even cursing. Come on, somebody. But today, the man is going to rise up. So, come on, mom, I need you to lay your hand on the back of your, of your husband. Child, son, daughter, lay your hand on your, on your dad's uh, shoulder. Uh, come on, and I need dad right now. Uh, I want to pray a blessing and a favor over your home. Uh, I'm going to pray courage into your family father in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth I release an authority into the home I pray that every priest would rise up I pray that prayer would become a central focus of their family I pray that at the dinner table there would be prophecies that go forth that devotion there would be tongues and interpretation Lord I pray that there would be moments of God moments in their living room I pray there would be God moments in the car as they drive down the road I bind every demonic force and wicked spirit that's come against their families, uh, their minds. Uh, I come against the spirit of divorce and division, uh, discord and constant conflict uh, that is not creating complete peace where you can habitate. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, I release an authority for the men to rise up and be men of God. Be men of God. Be men of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. One more time, why don't you give God praise with your family? Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.